I would like to open our service with a reading from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. Let's pray. O Heavenly Father, whose law is perfect, converting the soul, a sure testimony, giving wisdom to the unlearned and enlightening the eyes, we humbly implore you through your boundless goodness to enlighten our blind intellect by your Holy Spirit so that we may truly understand and profess your law and live according to it. Since it has pleased you, most merciful Father, to reveal the mysteries of your will only to the little ones, and since you look to him alone who is of humble and contrite spirit, who has reverence for your word, grant us a humble spirit and keep us from all fleshly wisdom, which is enmity against you. Bring to the right way those who stray from the truth, so that we all may unanimously serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. We ask this from you, most merciful Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Guys, it's no small thing to come into the presence of the Lord. And we, uh, we don't have anything in us that makes us deserve to be there. We don't have anything in us, really, that can cause us to withstand His glory. Uh, scripturally speaking, when people saw the presence of the Lord, or if they just saw a messenger from the Lord, they, freak, they just totally freaked out. And uh, what, we, what we recognize is this, is Jesus that has given us the right to behold the Father. It is Jesus that has given us um, confidence that when we look at God and when he looks at us, he is pleased with us, not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done on our behalf. So uh, let's sing together before the throne of God. If you're able to stand, let's stand up. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. 
Whoever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. Satan tempts me to despair. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, a word I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because a sinless Savior died. on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and his listeners understood the picture Jesus would die so we could live and we believe that to this day Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die, my soul is perfect. Savior and my God. When you see the debt that's been paid off, this is our response. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the one risen Son. Sing that again. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the one risen Son of God. Sing hallelujah.
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Ask him. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Sing it again. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up. To see you high and lifted up. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. High and lifted up. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out name of the living God. Let's sing holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy. Want to see the living God? Sing holy, 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 holy. I want to see you. Holy, 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 holy. You guys have a seat. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy God, Word made flesh. Let us come to this word open to being surprised. Silence our agendas. Banish our assumptions. 
cast out our casual detachment. Confound our expectations. Clear the cobwebs from our ears. Penetrate the corners of our heart with this word. We know that you can. We pray, God, that you will. And we wait with great anticipation. Amen. The word of God from Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is failed. The holy seed is its stump. Let's pray. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts, that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Amen. This is one of these passages in Isaiah 6 where many words could be said. I've been praying that the Lord give me just a few. To set the scene here, it tells us clearly in verse 1 that it's the, king, the year King Uzziah died. And what's interesting about this is it's a huge transition. In one way or the other, King Uzziah had been part of the leading group for 52 years. And in the last year of his life, he had sort of an ignominious end to that year. He, um, he had sort of stood in the place of a priest, both in an unholy and in an illegal fashion, and had burnt incense in the temple, and God was so displeased with Uzziah that he struck him with leprosy, and he died that year. And uh, what's interesting to me is about this, about this time, uh, all of the people, whether it was Judah or Israel, both the divided kingdoms of God, 
they begin to spiral down. King Uzziah was the last sort of decent king. And uh, they spiral down in a, in a national way, in a, in a political way. They spiral down especially in a moral way. On down, down, down from here. And here is Isaiah doing sort of some normal things. He's in the temple. But then uh, what makes this very abnormal is God showed up. And when God showed up, some very powerful things happened. Out of understanding that context, let me relate it to today. I think we live in a time where it's, it's, it's crazy. Living in this country right now is crazy. We have so many resources that we, we literally have nothing we ought to be complaining about. But that's all we do. And uh, there's political division. There's racial division. There's economic or class division. Everywhere we turn, everybody's at each other's throats. And we just, we need God to show up. And it's very easy for us to want God to show up and fix someone else. Um, what I find interesting about Isaiah's story is uh, God shows up and he doesn't necessarily fix everyone else. He just works on Isaiah that day. And uh, what's interesting is he then gives Isaiah this ministry to go out. And uh, I think what God wants to do is meet his people. And he wants to do a work in his people and then send his people out to do his work. Let me share three quick thoughts with you out of both the context of Isaiah 6 and speaking to the relevance of our day. Number one, I think we can see clearly here that national crisis created desperation. The year King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on the throne. In other words, you might say it like this, the year the president failed us, we saw God for who he is. The year our government failed us, we saw God for who he is. I, I, I think back to when Israel first wanted a king. God asked him a question. He says, haven't I ruled well over you? Okay, but I'll give you what you want. You pick someone. They couldn't do it. They failed. And it wasn't just that they couldn't pick a person. It's that they rejected God. That's the worst part. I think it's interesting. We're in a time of national crisis, and I, I think we're desperate. But I wonder, I wonder, brothers and sisters, what are we desperate for? What do we do in our desperation? Where do we turn to? Some of us turn to our financial storehouses. Some of us turn to our health. I mean, we, you know, as long as, hey, I'm okay, everything will be okay. Some of us turn to our family structures. But right now, across our country, I think it's pretty safe to say that the majority of people have their hope in political parties, and they're vying for some sort of control. Well, let me tell you a funny story to kind of bring this home. It's a true story. I'm not going to name the person. They're still living around here, and they hate it when I tell this story. Humorously, they hate it. I was fishing with a friend of mine in a huge pond, huge pond, on his boat, and uh, he got his, one of his favorite expensive lures caught in a tree. So we took his boat, and we're just angling toward the tree. We get under the tree. Uh, he starts to reach in to get the lure out, and a snake plops right out of that tree and into the boat. He immediately stepped out of the boat and went into water. And, I, and the water was, was, was uh, you know, this, this, this person can't swim well. The water really wasn't over their head, but he was tripping out. And, and I started trying to help him get back in the boat, and I'm laughing so hard. I'm nearly about to hyperventilate. I have no muscles. So I'm, I'm holding him up out of the water, but I can't get him over in the boat. And, uh, 
And to this day, I don't know where that snake went. As far as I know, he's still in that boat 20-some years later, right? But I get him in the boat. I get him in the boat, and we're just laughing. And, and he cuts the line, doesn't want to lure. He doesn't want to go anywhere back near that tree. And, and uh, I'm like, let's go there. I'll get No, it's good, man. And I said, look, man, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? He said, man, when that snake landed in the boat, he says, I saw that lily pad right behind the boat, and I just tried to step onto it. Now, what's funny is there's lily pads in some places in the world that will hold up a grown person. There's some that big. There ain't none in North Carolina that big, y'all. And I think a lot of us have established lily pads in our lives, things that won't hold us up, that in crisis we step out on them and we find they're empty. Well, just by way of metaphor and to encourage the people of God, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen November 4th, but both parties are lily pads. And money is lily pad. And our health is a lily pad. Even, even our mental stability, which most of us take for granted day to day, you know, it's a lily pad. And I think we're living in times of crisis and we need God to show up. I think, I think we're naturally desperate. Just what are we stepping out onto? The second thing I see in this passage is when God calls someone out, God cleans them up. When the Lord's glory shows up to Isaiah here in the temple, Isaiah's immediate response is, Woe is me! I'm undone! I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in a whole society or culture full of people with unclean lips. He saw, when he saw the Lord's holiness, he saw his sin and he saw everyone else's sin very clearly. Amen? Here's what we typically do. We discover something bad about ourselves and we immediately begin to compare ourselves to someone we know that's worse by our own estimation. I mean, let's be honest, we do that. We say, well, yeah, I did do such and such, but they did worse. Or at least I haven't killed anybody. But when Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord, which was magnificent and beautiful and overwhelming, it was terrifying and delightful. When Isaiah saw the holiness of the Lord, he says, I'm messed up. Compared to that, I'm messed up. Compared to that, everyone around me is messed up. You can think of all sorts of verses. The one that comes to my mind is all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. He saw his glory. And he says, man, I'm, I'm unraveled here. You know, it's, it's sort of like saying you, you see the Lord and, and he's, he's holy and he's glorious. And you look at yourself and it's like you're standing back in the garden with Adam and Eve and you're naked and ashamed. And you look around at everyone else and they're naked and have reason for shame. And you look at the Lord and he is clothed in splendor. Old time just doesn't, I would love to just walk through the Psalms and show you the many beautiful pictures of how God is clothed. One place says he's clothed in lightning. Isn't that a crazy image? Clothed in rainbows. We even sing that in that one song, clothed in rainbows. That's, that's a wild thought to me. It says his chariot rides on the wings of the wind. In other words, to get a picture of God for who he is, we, we can't find big enough words to describe it. And Isaiah has just seen that, and he goes, man, I'm messed up. And everybody's messed up. 
But God wants to do a work with Isaiah. So Isaiah realizes his sinfulness. He realizes his offensiveness. He realizes that compared to God, he's in very deep, dirty waters. He's the opposite of holy compared to God. He knows it. So what does God do? God sends an angel, a ministering angel. And don't make any mistake, he's ministering to Isaiah. He's ministering for the Lord to Isaiah. God is calling Isaiah out. And what does he do? He cleanses him. Puts a hot coal to his lips. What did, what did Isaiah say? I'm a man of unclean lips. Whatever's in the heart comes out of the mouth. He knew it. He says, I'm messed up. This angel cleanses him. Isn't it a beautiful picture? If God calls somebody out, he cleans them up. And that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to call us out and clean us up. And we often fall, sadly, in the trap of just wanting to be better than someone around us or is not as bad. We, we may not say, I, don't, I, I want to be better than so-and-so. We just sort of think, I don't want to be as bad as so-and-so. But the comparison is to the Lord. And when we see that, we're, we're lost and we're undone and we're, we feel overwhelmed just like Isaiah did. But what's God do with an overwhelmed, confessing, broken person? He cleanses them. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful with his love and he's just with his punishment. How can it be both? How can he love us and give us what we deserve? He poured out his wrath on Jesus and then he hides his children in Christ so that he can be just toward our sin and faithful to the sinner. What a beautiful picture. What does he do right here? He pours out hot wrath on a coal and even uses the hot wrath to cleanse the sinner. Beautiful guy. Often when God confronts us with our sin, we feel ashamed. There's a reason for that. Amen? Why don't we realize God's goal? He wants to bring us to a point of shame so we'll be willing for him to take us like a little baby and just clean us up. If we look at the Ten Commandments, and we will in a few moments, we're going to read them aloud together. We're all guilty of something. Like there's one that says, you shall not murder, and, and people might go, I haven't killed anyone. And Jesus says, well, that includes having anger in your heart. That's also murder. We go, uh-oh, I've murdered people. Anybody been mad at a politician in the last year? Well, we've all harbored murder in our heart. Or he says, you shall not commit adultery. So I've been, I, I haven't cheated on my lady. I haven't cheated on my man. And Jesus says, that also includes lust in your heart. ruh row raggy. And you know what? I've become aware in my more stately years. I used to think just guys struggle with this, but ladies struggle with it too, big time. Or someone might read that one, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why is he reading that one? We're at church. This isn't the Sabbath day. This is the Lord's day. Christians have church on Sunday because we're celebrating the resurrection. Sabbath technically is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, but the, the, the real gift isn't the day, it's the command to rest and trust God. Trust God with your strivings for provision. Trust God with your strivings for pleasure. Just rest and let God minister to you. We miss that gift. We miss trusting him. We'll look at the Decalogue in a moment. The point is, we, like when Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord, can see 
the holiness of God and his law and go, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips amongst a people of unclean lips. And we're left just crying, Lord, have mercy. Third and last, what I love about the story of Isaiah is it shows me that a sanctified saint is ready to be a sent servant. Now, sanctified and saint are really like saying the same word twice. A set-apart person, a called-out person. You notice how one minute Isaiah's going, woe is me, I'm undone. I mean, he wants to hide himself from God. He's like Adam in the garden. He's ashamed. Oh, I'm, I, oh, I need to run somewhere. I need to hide. And the next minute, he's going, send me, send me. What happened? When he got cleaned up, he was ready to be sent out. You know why so much of the church in America just comes to, to worship services like a t television show? We, we come because we're, we're trying to get somebody to pull pop psych psychology on us and tell us we're okay from Sunday to Sunday. Truth is, we're not okay. All of us need to face a holy God, confess our sin, be, to be forgiven. That's what he desires. He desires mercy. And then to be sent about on his agenda, sent out on his work. So what happens with Isaiah is once he's cleansed, he's ready to roll then. He's ready to do what God wants him to do. Every single one of us, every single one of us have things we need God to get straight in our life today. Every single one of us has some issue, if not some issues, to repent of. And the great news is merciful God stands ready to show mercy. God says, come here. I want to clean you up. And I want to do things better with you than you imagined. And Isaiah experienced that. In a time of crisis, desperation came through. When God called Isaiah out, God cleaned Isaiah up. And when God set Isaiah aside, Isaiah was ready to be sent. What's really interesting to me is he gives him a ministry and he says, nobody's going to appreciate you for it. Do it anyway. And do it until nobody's left standing except a stump. And watch what I bring up out of that stump. Wow. What a ministry. It's like saying... Hey, all you My Life Matters staff, people, and volunteers, I want you to go work, 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 and it'll accomplish nothing, but do it anyway. Most of us want to hang some trophies on the wall. God says, I just want you to be faithful. Now, not every ministry is, is like Isaiah's, and Isaiah's is bearing a lot of fruit. How do I know? Because the church is sitting here considering it right now. The point isn't whether we'll get things done. The point is, will we get busy doing what God's called us to do? We keep waiting for other people to get straight. What God does is show up, show his people their sin, show his people his mercy, and call us to a revived walk with him. And out of this renewed Trust with God, out of this renewed relationship with God, we're ready to go. We're ready to be his men and to be his women, to be on mission. So tonight, in the next few moments, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look over the Ten Commandments, or the Decalogue is what it's called. We're not going to try to twist your arm or manipulate you. We're just going to trust the Holy Spirit that when we read these holy words, that the Spirit will speak to you 
I, I noticed, for example, after the last service, one person was lingering, and I saw him writing something down. I didn't know. I said, what are you doing? God had pointed out a sin to them and given them some strategy on how to work on it and come, come into agreement with him. And they were just taking notes. You know, as a pastor, that really touched me. They were listening to God, and they didn't want to move until, until they got down what God had spoken to them. This is not arm twisting. This is not shame gathering. We just believe God wants to clean us up and call us, call us out, clean us up, set us apart, and send us, send us out. We believe that. But it's a bit participatory. Y'all play along, except it's not a game. If you have it in your bulletin, it'll be on the screen. We'll read the Decalogue and join us in asking God to have mercy. You shall have no other gods before me. Lord, have mercy. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Lord, have mercy. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. mercy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Lord, have, have mercy. mercy. 